0: Tremendous fun. There was actually lasers uh, in person. And do you still have uh, whipped cream in your face? I'm still smelling it now. It literally does. It sticks with you. As a former camp counselor, I know it's hard to get out. (laughs) I have to share with you, though, in the midst of last week, in addition to all the fun and the joy and just seeing the kids and the leaders and the parents, 32 kids. Open up their lives and their hearts to Christ for the first time. Thirty-two, it's amazing. And Wednesday night, uh, you know, middle of the week, at dinner. Uh, my wife and I with Judah, our seven-year-old, who was here this week, and our almost two-year-old Barrett. It's chaos at dinner time in our household. So much energy and uh, joy, and uh, <laughs> not sitting down. And it just crazy. And uh, Judah just brings up in the middle of it, he says, "Uh, I invited Jesus into my heart for the first time. And we're like, what? Seriously? And so we're having this conversation with him, and he's bringing up like, all right, so when do I get baptized? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) It's just such, it's so amazing. And I look over, and I see Jenny over there, um, who's about to usher her little one into the world in a bit with her husband. Jason, and just thank you for your leadership. You know, there was so many people behind the scenes, so many people praying, so many people leading, so many people in the kitchen. I mean, it was just like all hands on deck. And lives were transformed. And it's such a joy to know that the work we do, you know, the work echoes across eternity. And it's just amazing, and it's so humbling to be a part of. And so as we gather in this moment, know that, You're here for a reason. You are here uh, for more than just what you want, more than just what you need. Actually, I truly believe this, what Scripture says, that God has called you here for such a time as this, and he wants to use you for his glory as part of this church family to advance his kingdom, to transform not only your life, but the relationships, the neighborhoods, the city, and ultimately the world in which we live and so we gather in this moment, whether you're online or in person, we're going to go to God's word, but before we do that, I just want to give a quick little update. We're in the last month of our fiscal year. In fact, it's the last day of June, the end of our fiscal year. If you were here with us last Sunday, I shared that as of the Sunday before, we still had 400,000 to go to meet our June goal. Well, it was a really generous week, uh, a little over a week ago, And so now, as of last Sunday, we are 160,000 away. Which is amazing because that means we're right on track and we trust and pray that uh, over the last week and even today that God, through God's people, through us as a family, that we collectively would be able to meet our June goal. And ultimately, it's for God's glory that we do these things. And we pray for not only to meet those goals, but that we would as a church family collectively step into what he has for us in our workplaces, with our friends, our family. God has given each of us gifts has given us areas of influence. And as we say, I wanna give my life to you, God, watch what God will do. Now, I'm gonna stay grounded here uh, the whole time. I've been dizzy since Monday night. It's like the weirdest thing. My wife and I, uh, at the same day, just started getting dizzy together. Of course, when I share that publicly, people are coming up afterwards and they're like, have you checked your carbon monoxide? And I'm like, yes. How many of you thought of that in the moment? Yeah, so yes, we have. We've, We've replaced the batteries. Uh, so we don't know what's going on. Uh, we were in Mexico a week and a half ago, and some people were like, <gasps> go to the doctor, get checked out. Did you hear about all the people dying? You know, and I'm like, yes, I heard about the people dying. So my wife has gone to the doctor. I have yet to go to a doctor. Um, but we've got the same symptoms, so I thought through proxy they could, uh, you know, <laughs> diagnose me. Uh, so if I'm a little, you know, less animated, some of you were like, good, you move around too much. Um, but if some of you are like, he seems, you know, not into it today, uh, I'm frankly not. Uh, I'm exhausted and I'm dizzy. <laughs> but let me say this, uh, I've got a great team who could actually preach better than me today for Sure. But you'll see, what I'm about to preach on, um, it's almost better if me and my weakness gets up here and uh, just shares what God has put on my heart this week. So, in a moment, I'm going to read for us November, uh, November, numbers. <laughs> I'll do, uh, December, yeah. There'll be a lot of that this morning. Uh, why don't we turn to, to Numbers 13, 25. And once you get there, it's on page 115 in your pew Bible, and I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray for us and me. But before I do so, let me just kind of give uh, just a broader context to where we are. How many of you were here last week when I preached on Leviticus? Awesome. Okay, so a number of you uh, chatted with me afterwards, and you're like, I thought we were in Exodus. Why are you in Leviticus now? And now why are we in Numbers? We're supposed to be in Exodus. Yes? Okay, I'll say again. The Exodus story, this historical account, spans more than just the book of Exodus. So the Exodus story, this grand narrative that actually has echoes and parallels ultimately for us today, begins in the book of Exodus chapter 1, where God hears the cries of his people in Egypt. This People group that he had promised that he would be their God and they would be his people and through the covenant to Abram that he would bless them, make them a mighty nation, that they'd be a blessing so that all the nations of the earth would be blessed and that they would know that Yahweh, the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth is the one true God. And yet they've been enslaved for 430 years. God hears a cry, he rescues them, uses Moses and Aaron, sets them free under the yoke of slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh the plagues, we went through that in the fall, led them to and then through the Red Sea that are now in the wilderness, and it's a reminder that this this journey, this story, isn't just out of slavery in Egypt, but it's to the promised land. And that journey, which should have just taken like twelve or thirteen days, they ultimately it took them forty years. Not because they were just lost physically, they were lost spiritually. And that entire journey is covered by the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, and the book of Deuteronomy. And they don't finally get into the promised land 40 years later until the book of Joshua. So now we're in this last section, which will wrap up in the beginning of August. We'll we'll get to the promised land, I promise. (laughs) But we right now are in this moment, as it is recounted here in Numbers 13, where they're, they're literally, they're two days away by journey to the promised land in a place called Kadesh Barnea, very significant place. That place is uh, mentioned 10 different times in the Old Testament. It's refer- referred to 14 different times, including here as simply Kadesh. A lot happens there. Miriam dies there. Aaron dies there. And on two occasions, the nation of Israel is disobedient just on the cusp of entering into God's promise, and they're disobedient in Kadesh Barnea, and we're going to cover the first time today, and we're going to cover the second time next Sunday. And there's parallels for us, because I believe that every single one of us who is a follower of Jesus wakes up every day spiritually in Kadesh Barnea We've been called out of bondage. We've been set free from sin. Romans 6 says that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. And yet, there is an abundant life that Jesus talks about in in, uh, John 10.10, the fullness of life that Jesus talks about continually that can and should be experienced here on earth, even before we enter into the new heavens and the new earth. There is a fullness, there's an inheritance that God longs for us to experience now. In a sense, a promised land that is a spiritual and physical reality here on earth, even before we enter into the fullness of God's presence into eternity. And so many of us, we live in a sense, I do too, in between Egypt and the promised land. And what we do in Kadesh Barnea changes everything. So let me pray uh, after I read Numbers 13, 25 through chapter 14, 25. It's a long section. This is after God says, Moses, send 12 spies into the land that I've promised to give you. Have them come back and report to you the land that I have promised, that I will give you. And this is what happens. Numbers 13, Verse 25, at the end of 40 days, they, this is the spies, returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the Israelites in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told him, this is Moses, we came to the land which you sent us. It does, it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Yet the people who live in the land are strong, and the towns are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the land of Negeb, The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb, he quieted the people before Moses and said... Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought to the Israelites an unfavorable report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great size. There we saw the Nephilim, the Anakites come from the Nephilim, and to ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become booty. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us choose a captain and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the Israelites. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the Israelites, the land that we went through as spies is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are no more than bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But the whole congregation threatened to stone them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, but then the Egyptians will hear of it. For in your might, you brought up this people from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face. And your cloud stands over them. And you go in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people all at one time, Then the nations who have heard about you will say, it is because of the Lord. The Lord was not able to bring this people into the land he swore, to give them that he has slaughtered them in the wilderness. And now therefore let the power of the Lord be great in the way that you promised when you spoke, saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Forgive the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have pardoned this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I do forgive. Just as you have asked, nevertheless, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the people who have seen my glory... And the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have tested me these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites live in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. So Kadesh Barnea, they reach this point. God says, I'm giving you this land. Send some spies. Hear from them what this land is all about. I want to show you a couple things and how this connects to us today. If you go back to Numbers 13, 25, they've come back. And they give this report. And if you notice, that first report in verse 27, we came to the land of which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And then they go on, and they give this report, and they simply share what they see. They have this pretty accurate description of the circumstances that their eyes can see. Now, here's what's fascinating. Two people interpret what they see through the voice of the Lord. So, Caleb and Joshua interpret what they see, this great land, and yes, strong people, but they interpret what they see through the voice of the Lord who says, I will get you there, I will provide a way. I will make it possible for you to not only be freed from slavery, but I will make it possible for you to step into your inheritance, this promise, this future where your identity shall flourish as my people and all people shall come to know what it's like to have the true Lord as God. In a sense, they narrate the situation using God's voice. But that's not the only voice that existed that day. Take a look. After Caleb quiets the crowd, it says this. Verse 31, take a look. Numbers 13, 31. Then the men who had gone up with him said, this is a different voice, narrating the same thing that they saw, not using the voice of the Lord to interpret it. They use their own voice and they say, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. So they went on. They brought to the Israelites an unfavorable report out of the land that they had spied out, saying the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great size There we saw the Nephilim. We actually first learned of the Nephilim all the way back in Genesis. And it's this belief that it's a group of people who intermarried with angels who were like the giants of the land. There's giants among us, these people say. And what happens? There's a choice that is made at Kadesh Barnea. Do we allow the voice of the Lord to narrate our circumstances? Or do we allow another voice to narrate our circumstances? Hmm. And it says that the whole congregation, hundreds of thousands of people, listened to the wrong report, allowed the wrong voice to narrate the situation, and the whole group was racked with fear. So much so that they said, it would be better if we died. In fact, it would be better if we went back to slavery So on this day, separate from a week ago, a week from now, uh, next Sunday, we're going to explore this idea that it is fear that sometimes causes us to not step into the fullness that God has for us. You see, I, I made a statement a bit ago that spiritually, if we are followers of Jesus, that though we've been rescued from our sin, completely set free, we've been given an identity that can't be shaken. Uh, we have an inheritance that God promises us. Romans 8 says that nothing in all of creation can separate us from God's love. And yet many of us have yet to step into the fullness here on earth, of the fullness of what that means and the abundant life here on earth, because many of us, myself included, are filled with fear. And rather than listening to the voice and the promise of the Lord, we listen to other voices And we allow other voices to be louder than God's voice in narrating the circumstances around us. Now, every single one of us, we are fearful of things. And we deal with fear differently. Some of us are just like Charlie Chaplin. I don't know if you remember that silent film. And I love this scene. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen the full movie. I've just seen it on YouTube. Uh, It's this great scene where Charlie Chaplin, uh, he's a prisoner and uh, he actually has this ball and chain connected to him. And he's trying to get away. And he's got this, this thing connected to him. So in this metaphor here in the, in the sermon, that's kind of like fear preventing us from moving forward. So he's got this ball and chain. What does he do? He tries to get away from it. He tries to cut it. Can't do anything. And so finally he has this idea, you know, totally Charlie Chaplin face. And he digs a hole. And he puts the ball and the chain, covers it up. And he's like. And he starts to run and smack. Hits the ground. Some of us, perhaps, try to bury our fear. Pretend it's not there. And then when we take a step in the direction that God is calling us into, we go smack. <laughs> Maybe some of us we minimize fear. We say, ah, oh, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. You know, just don't, you know, it's not, it's not you know, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. We kind of minimize it, we minimize it, we minimize it, and then finally we step out and we confront it and it's much more larger than we've minimized it to be and there's giants in our head. Maybe some of us, perhaps, we, uh, we just tell ourselves, don't be afraid, 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 don't, be afraid. don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, just don't fear. <laughs> That's like me saying to you, don't think about an elephant, don't think about an elephant. Do not think about an elephant. Don't do it. Don't think about an elephant. What do I not want you to think about? I told you not to think about it. I mean, it's like this. We, we, it's, it's not going to work to just say, don't be afraid. And what I'm talking about here is specifically stepping into what Christ calls us to do. For example, I'm going to be very practical. Christ calls all of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, to be ambassadors for him, that we would live for him. We would live for him in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, even when we're on vacation. Does anybody do that perfectly? Because I sure don't. How many of you would say that over the last year, you entered into a situation and Christ you felt called you to to maybe do something bold on his behalf, and you chose not to do it because you were fearful of something. How many of you have ever had that experience? I could put every limb up, right? And I'm a pastor, I'm the Cedar Pastor. This life that Jesus calls us into, to... I'll, I'll just do one Matthew 6. Do not worry about tomorrow, be anxious for nothing. But seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Doesn't God provide more to you than just the flowers and the, and the, and the birds? He, he adorns you with splendor. Don't worry, God's going to provide for you. And yet I worry. And I'm filled with fear sometimes that he's not going to provide. And what's so fascinating is how Caleb responds, Caleb the Courageous responds. He says, don't fear those people and rebel against the Lord. What Caleb is saying is that when we are cowardly in following Christ, we are actually rebelling against God. There's actually this list of things in Revelation 21. It talks about murderers, and it lumps cowards into the same list as murderers. And I used to think that that cowards was just kind of like a personality type. That's not at all what the Bible says. That when we are fearful of Stepping out in faith to follow Christ. That in a sense, we are rebelling against God. There's somebody that I know, and so I'll I'll talk about him, uh, who who has a certain fear. And uh, I'll talk about him so that you can maybe uh, think about the things that you fear in your own life not only fallen down right now in this moment, because the room is starting to go a bit, uh, but that guy uh, really fears letting people down. Maybe you've heard me talk about this guy before. And, you know, in the different ways that we might deal with fear, we can Charlie Chaplin it, and we can bury it, or we can minimize it, or we can say, uh, you know, don't, don't be fearful. Don't be fearful of that. Just who cares? Don't, who cares what people think? Just, just live your life, and who cares if you disappoint people? You know, so many ways in which we can deal with it. I've actually told this guy recently, what if, what if that fear was a shark? And rather than pretend it's not there or minimize it or say, don't be afraid of it, what if you ask God, to follow where that shark is swimming to. What if you follow that fear? What's it circling? And when I had a conversation with this guy, he he realized that the the sharks, so to speak, were swimming around a, a lifeboat that he was in. And the lifeboat could be described as you will experience the most peace, the most joy, the most security, if everybody loves you. And the sharks, they swim around that, that lifeboat. And it's terrifying, the thought, for this guy to get outside that lifeboat, that life raft. Because the sharks will devour. Someone will be disappointed. And so that guy tries to live in this life trying to get peace and joy and security by everyone loving him. And then before we talk about him and what that means, what's a fear that you have in your life? And I want you to identify a fear that is in relation to A fear that pops up when you read Scripture, a life that Christ calls you to live, and a fear that pops up that maybe prevents you from stepping into living that life. Is it a fear of actually that life not being as good as the life that you think you will get if you follow your own way? Uh, is Is it a fear that some people will not give you the job that you want if you step out in faith? Uh, is it a fear of rejection? Is it a fear of, you know, fill in the blank? You could, perhaps, with that fear, if you identified, if you pray about it right now, if you're honest enough, if you're vulnerable enough to let it come to the surface, you could, you could bury it, you can minimize it, you could say, don't be afraid, or you could follow that fear. Like a shark, and ask yourself, what is that shark circling around? Because whatever that thing is that those that, fears are circling around is your idol. Because that guy has turned being loved by everyone to get joy, to get peace, to get security has turned it into an idol. And what is an idol? Well, St. Augustine says it's simply disordered love. It's you take even good things and you make it the ultimate thing. And if God is saying, I alone can give you perfect joy. I alone can give you perfect peace. I alone can give you perfect security. Step out and follow me. And as you do so, some people might not love you. And here's the crazy thing. That guy, which I know you're like, Drew, yes, we know that's you. You'll come up to me after the service and you, you'll be like, you know, I love you. You're great. That does not help. <laughs> that makes things worse. That stuffs me back into the life lifeboat. Here's, here's what helps. It's when you walk up to me and say, you know, you've really disappointed me. <laughs> I mean this. You know, you've really let me down when you did this and this and this, and yet God still loves you. And we've got to work through some things. I want you to forgive me. and There's a, a brokenness in our relationship and I want to mend it and you're going to have to re-earn my trust. Don't get, let me off the hook. But that is actually going to help me get out of the boat, to step out of the boat and to get out of Kadesh Bernia into the fullness of what God has for me. And some of you, like me, don't want to follow the shark. We're going to pretend it's not there. But I'm telling you, if you follow the fear, it will lead you to the thing that you idolize the most, that is in the place that only God can fulfill. And so some of us, we fear... Losing a loved one. And I'm not talking about a healthy fear of losing a loved one. I'm talking about if a loved one, if we lose them, then I would be absolutely crushed. I would be absolutely devastated. If, if you say that if I lose a loved one, there, there's no point in me even moving on in life. At that level, now it's an idol. If for some of us, we, we say, you know, I, I, I just can't imagine, you know, not having the reputation that I've built over 35 years and I worked so hard for it, And if somebody, you know, publicly says something that, that counteracts my reputation, I, I would be crushed. I'd be destroyed. I'd, I'd have to go into hiding. You know, it's good to live for integrity, but if you make that the ultimate thing, you'd say, I, would, I wouldn't know what to do with my life. I would be destroyed. That has now become an idol. Somebody said to me after 9 o'clock service, they said, you know, I, I realized that my idol is my comfort zone. Right after 9 o'clock service, they, 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 they self-identified that quickly and they said, I realize that I don't sign up for so many things at this church. I don't volunteer. I don't go out in the city and serve because it's going to cause me to be outside my comfort zone. And I love my comfort zone. And I realize it's become an idol. And actually, they said, yesterday, even before your sermon, which I love because it's the spirit. It's not my sermon. It's the spirit that moved in their life. They said, Actually, I felt convicted of this, and I went and I served yesterday at the Union Rescue Mission. Here's what they said exactly, word for word. And my manicure, my manicure got messed up. <laughs> and I got dust in my hair, and I loved it. <laughs> and so she had this fire in her eye, this hunger, that she could actually step out of the life raft and not be devoured by the sharks. She got outside the comfort zone and she found that it was actually the Lord that held her. The Psalm we sang earlier, build my life, let it be a firm foundation. Build your life on the solid rock that is Jesus Christ, not just to hear his words, but to put it into practice. That's the life that Christ calls us to. Every single one of us, if we've chosen Jesus as our Lord and Savior wakes up every day with God saying, I have so much more for you. If you would just forgive that person, on the other side of that, I have something for you. If you would just trust me and say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness, I have something for you. If you would just trust me and step out with integrity, even when you've built your whole career on underhanded dealings, if you just step out and take trust me, I have something on the other side for you. If you just step out and, and ask for help with that addiction or that unhealthy relationship, even though that's been your comfort zone, I'm telling you on the other side of that, I have something for you. We wake up every day in Kadesh Barnea. Caleb had it right. Joshua had it right. Moses had it right. They said, listen to what God says. Don't listen to the other reports. The other reports say, we're going to die. The other reports say, you're going to be a fool. The other reports are going to say, you're going to lose your job and you'll never be welcome in this town again. Listen to the word of the Lord. This thing might seem stronger than us. It might be true. It might seem like this giants in the land. It might be true. It might seem like this city and this land and that job and those things might devour us. It might be true. But God says, but I am greater than that. My glory, my weight, my significance, my presence, my promise is greater than all those things. So step out in faith. The whole nation didn't. They were still rescued. They still had a relationship with God. And yet a consequence of that is they never got to enter into the promised land. Next week, we're going to see what Moses did that caused even Moses to not be able to enter the promised land. The book of Hebrews says this, the rest that they didn't enter into is actually offered to all of us today. Did you know that? Hebrews 4, you can read it later. The writer of Hebrews says that this rest that God promises all of us here and now, this abundant life here and now, as Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, to be anxious for nothing, to have a joy, to have a security, to have a peace. You can experience that now here on earth. That's offered to all of us. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't be like them. Don't rebel against God and let your fear be bigger than God. Step out in faith and watch what God does. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that even in our weakness, it is your strength, it is your power, your spirit and your word that sustains, that gives life, that gives hope. And it's your word that doesn't return back void. So God, I thank you that we get to gather here and worship. We thank you for the faithfulness of so many. But ultimately, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness. A God slow to anger, a God quick to forgive, a God who is lovingly present, who gave your life for us in Jesus the Christ, fully God, fully human, so that we would be purchased, so that we would be adopted into your family, God you set us free from sin. You've brought us out of a spiritual Egypt, so to speak. And yet many of us, we, we wander. We live every day in the wilderness, a place like Kadesh, Bernia, not trusting your promises, what a life fully devoted to you looks like. So may we step out in faith. May our faith be bigger than our fear. In Jesus' name we pray. We say together, amen.